0: It was a much, much simpler time, you know. There was only three networks. ABC, NBC, and CBS. PBS was still relatively new, and UHF was just weird. <laughs> there were all kind of different shows. There were cop shows, Kojak, Beretta, Cannon, Starsky and Hutch, which I loved. There are. a thousand sitcoms, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart, All in the Family, Chico and the Man, Welcome Back, Cotter, Mork and Mindy, Maud, Good Times, The Jeffersons, there were variety shows, the Carol Burnett Show, Sonny and Cher, Donnie and Marie, science fiction was big, Battleship Galactica, Buck Rogers, everybody loved Wonder Woman and The Incredible Hulk, and Saturday night was invented and took over the late-night spot as sketch comedy made a comeback. There was even a Richard Pryor show for one season, although he was a little too hot for the networks to handle. And in the midst of all of this television, that, by the way, you didn't have a lot of choices. You just watched what was on, when it was on, In the midst of all that, there were some unique and interesting shows, and this episode of The Eclectic Monk, I just want to share with you five 1970s television shows that you may have heard of, maybe you never heard of, but if you had been me in the 1970s, you would have been watching these shows. Stick around. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Are you aging? Of course you are. Do your feet hurt? Do your ankles swell? Do your knees pop? your back hurt? Does your neck occasionally feel like someone stabbed you with an ice pick? You need a pill. The pharmacology experts at Astropharsica have a pill for you. We screw up. This once-a-day medication is guaranteed to make you feel different. So don't delay. Make an appointment with your doctor or pharmacist today and ask them if we Spruja is right for you. I'm betting it is. Side effects include intestinal bloating, loss of vision, loss of hearing, loss of taste, loss of memory, loss of sensation in your extremities, pain in the extremities, erupting blisters on your extremities, painful urination, acetic regurgitation, uncontrollable flatulence, bleeding from the ears, eyes, nose, and genitals, painful rectal itching, anal seepage, inflammation in every joint, sensitive nipples, reduced lung capacity, excruciating nerve pain in unpredictable places, vomiting, diarrhea, excessive snot production, boils, depression, and a total collapse of all internal organs that leads to death. You need a pill. We've got a pill. We up! and it's FDA approved. Don't be a pansy! Take the pill! Astrofarsica assumes no liability for this product. Take only as directed. So in the fall of 1972, Brand new sort of Western came on television. By the early mid 70s, the Western had kind of faded from television dominance, that it, you know, it dominated the 50s and the 60s. But this was a different take. It was a show called Kung Fu. It's only three seasons, from 72 to 75. It starred David Carradine. As the Chinaman Kwai Chang, Kwai Chang was uh, his his father. Apparently, was an American who had, uh, of course, given birth to him and then had gone back to America. And when that happened, Kwai had been adopted uh, in this Shaolin monastery, where he was raised by uh, Master Po. And in the pilot episode, Master Poe is murdered. Kwai is enraged, and he kills the person that murders his master and his father figure. And then he flees to America, where he's wanted by the law, for whatever reason. The wanted posters are around. And uh, he travels around doing good things, using his... uh, Chinese philosophy and incredible martial arts skills to uh, rescue people, save people, uh, to stand up for injustice, and uh, basically continue moving around as he searches for his half brother Danny. That's that's the backdrop of the story, and each episode would begin with him wandering into a different place and wandering into a different situation. And sticking around long enough to make a difference, to change things, to save someone or to right some wrong or to steer people in a better direction. And then, uh, of course, at some point in time, it was necessary for him to beat the crap out of somebody using his incredible martial arts skills. <laughs> and, uh, and then he would, of course, you know, be asked to stay, but would always leave and move on for the benefit of the people that he had aided or because the law was getting too close and they were trying to, you know, arrest him for a murder that happened in China. So I know not the tightest premise for a TV show, but it was cool. Man, it was cool. And he know, all these flashbacks where he was young, quiet, the monastery learning his things. And they, his master called him grasshopper. And uh, so, you know, you always say grasshopper, you know, the water makes the stick look as if it's bent, but it's actually straight when we draw it out. Things like that. Uh, that's what I remember. My What I remember the most was where he gets dropped into a pit full of rattlesnakes. And one of the things he had to do as a and monk was to walk across this uh, rice paper floor without tearing the rice paper. And so he had always flashback to these lessons from his youth that he would then apply to the situation. And so he did the same thing. He lightly danced through this pile of rattlesnakes and didn't get bit by anything. And, uh, yeah, Kung Fu. If you've never seen it, it would be worth watching a couple episodes. I I always liked this show. And one of the things about it was it was really paced a little bit differently. It was kind of a slow paced show, not a lot of action going on until that inevitable fight scene where Kwai Chang would unleash his feet in his hands. And every nine and 10 year old boy in America wanted to learn Kung Fu because of Kung Fu, the TV show. It was great. The next one, uh, from 1974 to 1978, we enjoyed the adventures of Steve Austin, the $6 million man. Now, It starred Lee Majors as a NASA astronaut who was in an uh, a experimental aircraft that has a terrible crash. And uh, he is uh, a man, barely alive but we can rebuild him, make him better than he was before. (laughs) And so with the uh, use of what they called bionics, they were able to rebuild this broken uh, astronaut. They gave him bionic legs so that he could run 65 miles an hour and he could jump over uh, 12-foot fences without trying. They gave him a bionic right arm where he could pick up you know thousand pounds or he could crush uh metal with his hand he could do all these things and he had a bionic left eye interesting it was a right arm and a left eye not sure why uh that was that way but it was uh and with his left eye he could he could go and see telescopically with the bionic eye of course the Six Million Dollar Man TV show led to the Six Million Dollar Man action figure. No, it was not a doll. It was an action figure. And no, it wasn't the little tiny Star Wars action figures. It was a full-size G.I. Joe-size action figure, except this one, you could open up the arm and see the bionic workings in it, and you could look through the eye, the little red eye. You could stare through the back of his skull and look through the eye. I never had one, but I I wanted one. interesting thing on this show is actually the opening credits uh, show the actual crash of an M2F2 aircraft. It crashed uh, on May 10th, 1967. And the pilot was named Bruce Peterson, actually hit the ground uh, going about 250 miles an hour. Uh, it flipped six times, uh, but he miraculously survived. The only thing that he lost was his left eye. And he lost that to infection sometime after the crash as he was in recovery. But the six million dollar man was just the coolest show. Man, it was just, you know, again, every nine, ten-year-old boy alive in nineteen seventy-four wanted to be Steve Austin. We we made the sounds. We we swooshed and we doinked and we boinged and we did all that stuff as we ran around the backyard and we jumped over fences and we climbed trees and we did all this stuff that boys were supposed to do, that boys should still be doing, and unfortunately you are just sitting inside playing a lot of video games. But I love The Six Million Dollar Man, and uh, I used to watch it. I used to watch it every time I could, usually on a 12-inch black-and-white TV set because my mom was watching something else on the color TV. And yes, boys and girls, there was a day when you had the color TV in the living room, and then you were lucky if you were like me and my brother and you had a little 12-inch black and white set that you could watch in the bedroom and see the $6 million man in his black and white 12-inch glory. <coughs> the next show that uh, we used to watch, a show called Ba-Ba, Black Sheep. Uh, ran from 1976 to 1978. Didn't run long. And this was one that... Uh, yeah, my dad liked to watch because it was loosely based on the real life adventures of Greg Pappy Boyington, who was a colonel in the marine Corps in World War II um, and they were marine fighter pilots uh, in the Pacific um, Solomon Islands and uh, they were flying the uh, F4U Corsair which was a great gull winged plane with a cool blue paint job they were matched up pretty much usually with Japanese Zeros, which was, you know, really awesome aircraft. And so there was a lot of stock footage or, you know, they saw the same airplanes doing the same thing week after week, but it was cool. They were airplanes. And my brother and I grew up, of course, with my dad who loved airplanes. And so we both had this uh, unhealthy attraction for aircraft and flight. Robert Conrad plays Pappy Boynton, and uh, it's it was kind of a funny show. It, it, again, it was just kind of vignettes. It was funny. Uh, they were the, a bunch of screwballs. you know. This was the Black Sheep Squadron because these guys were uh, all the ones that nobody else wanted to deal with. They were drunks. They were fighters. They were womanizers. They were all those things that real men were supposed to be, and uh, certainly real men who were – fighting the japanese in world war ii were supposed to be and so this this is a fun show and again it only lasted a couple of seasons but definitely one of those that uh should go back and and maybe watch a little bit of and understand that you know it came on like tuesday night at 8 30 and we would sit around and wait for that time so we could turn on whatever channel it was on i think it was on channel five but i could be wrong anyway kung fu 6 million dollar man, ba ba black sheep. These are cool shows from the 70s and my guess is if you're under 30 you've never heard of any of them. But you need to check some of them out. Hey, don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. There's two more really really unusual television shows that I want to share with you. And if you touch the dial, you might miss that important opening sequence. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. So in the seventies, you know, we were um we were picking up litter and pitching in. The Indian had cried. We were planting trees and thinking about ecology. The the hippies had stopped dropping acid and had Moved on to commune farms. Everywhere you looked, we were beginning to think about the environment. We even had switched to unleaded gasoline to reduce carbon emissions and pollution, as we called it back then. So in the midst of all of that, in 1977, there was this interesting show that came out. It was based... uh, on a book, and uh, it was about the uh, California mountain man named John Grizzly Adams who had been accused of murder, although he didn't commit it, and he had escaped into the mountains to live with the animals and live off the land. The show was called The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams, starred Dan Haggerty. And uh, in the show, uh, the pilot episode, he, he rescues this grizzly bear cub that uh, quickly grows up to be a full-size grizzly bear named Ben. And through each episode, it, the show only ran for a year, uh, but he rescues animals. Uh, he interacts with some other, uh, you know, mountain people, uh, Occasionally ventures into town. Occasionally helps someone who gets, you know, lost or stranded or trapped or in trouble. And uh, so that was the life and times of Grizzly Adams. And I liked that show. It didn't last long again because it wasn't very action-packed. The the pacing of the show was very slow. It was a very pretty show. It was, you know, all about stuff that I loved because I had read this book called My Side of the Mountain. And I was convinced that I could run away from home at any time and go live in the mountains and survive off the land. And here he was, John Grizzly Adams, doing that thing that in 1977 I wanted to do, the bottom of my heart. I'd even gotten a book called uh, Outdoor Survival Skills. And I was sure that if it ever hit the fan, I could just drop off the grid and go live off the land fact is, I'm pretty sure that if it hits the fan tomorrow, I could drop off the grid. I could live off the land. You just have to be smart about it. So, The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams, I, I loved the show. I really did. Uh, it didn't, you know, again, one of those that you've probably never heard of, and if you're my age, you probably haven't thought about this one in a long time. Maybe you never even watched it because it was so quick, you know, it was just a blip Apparently, at the end of the show, uh, he is finally convinced by his daughter to, to come back to civilization, and they kind of tied it all up nice and neatly. I don't remember that part. I just remember uh, Dan Haggard, the big guy with the beard, walking around with the bear and the mountains and the beautiful California wilderness and thinking, that looks like a lifestyle for me. So, the last show, and and I could not do... A podcast about television in the 1970s without bringing up this show because this was maybe maybe the greatest television show of all time it was culturally significant this was a show that that reflected back to us our deepest fears and our greatest joys it it stirred within our hearts the desire for, for fame and at the same time it reflected our own absurdities. Of course, I'm talking about the gong show the gong show gosh what an incredible show the gong show was chuck barris uh who apparently was like a cia operative or something who knew but chuck barris was this guy he was a producer and he would come out and he just had this goofy grin and this was like um it was like a talent show but it was for the a talent show for the non-talented basically uh Jamie Farr, who played Lieutenant Klinger in MASH, was one of the judges. There was this uh, this woman named J.P. Morgan, who I guess must have been a cabaret star. I don't know. The only thing I ever knew J.P. Morgan to do uh, besides be a a banker in the 19th century uh, was this woman on this show. I don't know anything else she did. And then they had a whole rolling cast of other judges, Artie Johnson uh, being a notable one who uh, played the dirty old man. Uh, and the, the Nazi guy and laughing, you know, very interesting, that guy, Artie Johnson. Anyway, this show was so much fun because really they would just, people would go on who who just had no talent. You know, the best part of American Idol was those uh, early episodes where the people who really thought they could sing came in and they really couldn't. And, and that was the part, the train wreck was the part that you loved. Well, the Gong Show was just the train wreck. It really was, and it was only like a half-hour show. It was really quick. It would come, it would be on here and gone. And uh, through the whole thing, man, you just you just laughed and you just you know felt better about yourself because you always knew I could sing better than that guy or I could be funnier than that guy, unless it was the unknown comic. The unknown comic ran out with a paper bag over his head, and he would just tell dirty jokes until he got pulled off the stage. And then there was Gene Gene the Dancing Machine. This guy would come out, and he could just, incredible dancer, you know. And, but it was always just these little segments. Um, it was such a fun show. Uh, the cool thing, they, they actually, the award, the prize for winning the gong show was a check for $516.32. Which is a very specific amount, it actually was the minimum payment for one day's work in the Screen Actors Guild at that point in time so Chuck Barris felt that it was important that uh, whoever won the show would win uh, a day's wage basically and of course get the Golden Gong trophy um, and there were times where, uh, and of course the, the act, the whole thing was the act would, there was this big gong behind the judges, right? And the guy would be singing or dancing or whatever. And uh, even and Paul Rubens, by the way, who was, became Pee Wee Herman, he's on the gong show. He gets gonged. You know, these people are up there they're dancing, they're singing, and, and it would be so terrible. And then one of the judges would get up and hit the gong and then they would be, you know, pulled off the stage. And then they'd have to explain why they had gonged them. And they always made up some, uh, crazy reason. But, uh, It was just a fun, unique, unusual television show that could only happen in 1976. Uh, It ran from 76 to 78 in its original run. They, of course, repackaged it and redid it several other times throughout the years. But that original two-year period of time where Chuck Barris is the host, that is the gong show and uh again if you uh if you're my age you remember this tv show uh if you're uh, just a youngster you need to go out go to youtube pull up the gong show and just watch some some highlights because this this was an incredible television event so there you go five television shows from the 1970s that you need to watch kung fu the six million dollar man Baba Black Sheep The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams and finally The Gong Show Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Eclectic Monk I hope you'll continue to tune in Uh, This is episode 49 so you don't want to miss the next one for sure Anyway, until we meet again, travel well enjoy the journey don't take yourself so seriously and know that the Lord of Light is with you and that you are loved no matter what. I'll see you next time. Bye. Hey guys, can you believe it? Episode 50 is right around the corner. Stay tuned for the episode 50 extravaganza. It's going to be like nothing you've ever heard. Get the word out, share it, make sure people have lined up, waiting to hear what the eclectic monk has got to share 50 episodes we're almost there don't miss it be there